0: mother is believing. At least I have a husband, you know. Does anybody he believe that? Oh. Does anybody here believe
1: that? Oh. We are from Arkansas, no. <laughs>
0: We are now on episode 25. That feels like a big number.
1: It is a weird big number.
0: 25. So this makes, makes it the uh, Israel episode. <laughs> this is a Dillard. This is the first. Like
1: the store, Dillard's? Like, c- close. That's the only um, time I've ever heard Dillard.
0: This is the first non-Duggar grandchild. This okay. is Jill's oldest. Okay. So Israel. So she's
1: Jill Dillard? Yes. Yes.
0: <laughs> i never really stopped to think about it but yes she's that's kind of Jill funny Dillard. um well before we actually get into the actual recapping of the episode we do have a little housekeeping a little little news to address so um it's regarding ginger's book so it was a couple <laughs> weeks ago on october 18th that the title cover and description of a book written by ginger came mm. out on amazon and it's called Becoming Free Indeed, My Story of Disentangling Faith from Fear. Which, first of all, a uh, funny nod to the Free Ginger movement. <laughs> so it is kind of funny that she did that. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like a little wink. But um, I posted about it that day. And I was saying how, like, I was just curious about it. And, you know, like, I was like, oh, it sounds like kind of like a fuck you to. Right um jim bob and michelle and we got some comments they were like don't get too excited i mean it's not like she's gonna blast her parents and like i never thought that's what she was gonna do like i never was like oh yeah she's gonna fucking mop the floor with that you know like i knew it would never be that uh but my enjoyment just from initially even seeing news of the book was that like the fact that she's even saying anything Mm. against anything that had to do with her upbringing will just make jim bob's fucking head explode right yeah so it's like she doesn't have to call them out directly for it to be enough to like piss off an egomaniac Mm -hmm. like lego like you know yeah so in the description it does specifically speak out against bill gothard's teachings and um like who brought her into Bill Gother's teachings, you know? So it's like she doesn't mm-hmm. even have to specifically say her parents. Where I was like, oh, this alone is enough just to, you know, make It them feels them like
1: there's t- a lot of veiled, uh, fuck you in this for certain, for certain things.
0: And it's like, and we'll see going forward. But she also mentions in the description how it was a brother-in-law from outside their tight-knit, like, circle, mm-hmm. um, as being the first to open her I- her eyes to the idea that some of the things that they've taught and always... Followed were not actually like biblical okay um likely referring to ben which is jess's husband okay so jess's husband he's a calvinist which is not good in boob's world so i think i just love it even more because you know that this is boob like having a fucking tantrum that he let in these insiders i I mean he let these outsiders inside his circle Mm -hmm. and i'm sure he's in his head that's what's blowing up his family or making these kids or his kids turn away from what he's taught them, you know, or right. whatever. So I'm like, that alone, I just like, I, I'm here for that. I enjoy it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like I never thought it would be this smear campaign against her parents. But, you know, like still a pretty big step for her to even come out and say anything about Definitely. IBLP. So she had up to this point hadn't actually addressed it. It was just you could see this on Amazon and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But then today she ended up dropping. Oh, and I we were gonna um I was gonna bring it up on the podcast, but this happened originally the day after we'd recorded. We hadn't released the episode yet, but then it happened like the very next day. Yeah. And then that next week is when we didn't record. And, and mm-hmm. then I was just like, ah, And then I just kind of like let it go. But then today Ginger dropped a four minute YouTube video right. about the book, which I actually had Tim watch. He I don't keep him totally up to date with like all the recent goings, you know, all the current goings on if you will. But I did send him this video to watch. And um she, she's very robotic and it's kind of awkward. <laughs> <laughs> um I actually feel like the the little like teaser on the U- on Instagram almost feels worse than the full video. I don't know, just because it's so short maybe it seems worse to me, but she's a little bit robotic, a little bit awkward. Hard to tell if it's just cuz she's nervous or if she's actually like because she is kind of like I don't know, kind of dropping this bomb, I guess, in a way. Not really. but Or if she's trying to play the role of, like, this is serious. Because the whole thing is called, like, the hardest thing I've ever done or something yeah. like that.
1: She mentions in that video that, like, you know, she's written other things and this definitely kind of took more out of her. Like, it felt like it took more.
0: Yeah, she says, like, more emotionally exhausting.
1: Yeah, which I get. Like, I I feel like she was also trying to play the tightrope between completely smearing her upbringing and her father but still trying to get her point across you know what i mean yeah. i feel like there was a lot of like mental gymnastics she had to do yeah to to put something out and then i think she was also at a time crunch because towards the end of it you kept seeing her like glance to the left like multiple times i think she was look i think they were trying to keep her on track timing wise too
0: Um, But she does specifically mention it's not a tell-all of her family. So I'm sure this was to shut up, you know, kind of put that to rest for all the people who were hoping it was that.
1: For people that have (laughs) snark podcasts, Yeah.
0: And also some family that's probably freaking out. So it's probably just like, Mm. that's not what the... I just think it was probably like to also kind of ease some anxieties that she probably has going into it. Um, But I mean, this book is still going to be preachy as hell. It's just going to be a new flavor of preachy (laughs) because she specifically talks about how when she first thought of this was going to big Sandy with Jeremy after they were married and like seeing some people she went always went with grew growing up and then some not being there and a bunch of them finding out that they you know left Christianity entirely. So it was her like saying that she was starting to figure all that like kind of pull mm-hmm. away and stuff like that but then she her story is not leaving Christianity um and so she does this whole thing about if you still want to have a relationship with Jesus she says Jesus
1: yeah and so does jeremy
0: i've noticed that but um yeah so it's definitely still still gonna be preachy it's just gonna be like i said a different flavor (laughs) um same you know the what she's in now gets rid of the what i always call like the freak show circus aspect of things but a lot of the core hateful you know just like
1: It's still the same. Yeah,
0: it's still the same. So now she's just the mega church style in sneakers and shorts and coffee and hamburgers. So So it's it's, a
1: cool, hip level of hateful Christian. It's hip hatred, you know? It's hip hatred. That's what it is.
0: Um, Hip bigots. Um, And also, just the final thing I just kind of want to mention is that the timing of it is interesting because this is releasing at the end of January in 2023, which... Uh, an IBLP documenta- a documentary that has been in the works for a while. The last we heard, I haven't heard any updates. They had said end of this year or early 2023. I'm thinking if we haven't heard anything right now, it's probably not coming out by the end of this year. Right. But I think it's just really good timing for her because she can kind of get ahead of that to try to separate herself from IBLP even more. But also the timing coincides with not only is great for her because not only separating herself from IBLP, but think of all the attention that documentary is going to get, mm-hmm. which will drive Interest attention to in the subject into, into it, and then into her book, which is about like leaving it. She specifically talks about mm-hmm. IBLP, and um, yeah, it'll just get her more money. And as we learned recently, like she is their main breadwinner.
1: Yeah, and it's also going into the Christmas season, so. With this idea of like exceptionalism, I feel like that would be a a good gift book of people that are in her like Joel Osteen. But
0: it doesn't come out till January.
1: Oh, I thought I it came out January. right before Christmas. No, okay, January,
0: jan- end of January.
1: Because I was going to say, if it's going into Christmas, it's brilliant because it would be like all the people that are involved in that religion would be giving that book to each other to be like, you might like this story, you know, she she came from this, but she found out that our way is the right way, you know.
0: So, yeah, she's just going to be selling Calvinism in it now as opposed to what she's, what she was in.
1: Uh... I mean, I love Calvin and Hobbes. I don't know if I would like (laughs) structure my life around Calvin and Hobbes, but I'm here for it.
0: Yeah. You know, but Jeremy says it's okay, so that's what they're doing now. <laughs> but like I was saying, she's the main breadwinner. J- Jeremy's pastoring is, he does it for free, and he's still in school. Now hes he just graduated, he's back in school again for his master's. So yeah, so I think that this is uh, kind of two birds, one stone for her. Separate and make some money all at the same time. Mm-hmm. So off of that attention.
1: Whitney showed me a YouTube video of a cooking thing with her oh yeah ginger's kitchen and you can just feel that it's so much like like the joke is that like suburban moms go to like multi-level marketing and that's what they push i feel like people of her age that have some semblance of money already are going to do things like this i'm gonna have a vlog i'm gonna do a youtube channel i'm gonna you know yeah
0: it's Okay, so that's some that was some lengthy news, more than we normally give, but just wanted to talk about that since it just dropped today and she's finally addressed it herself. <laughs> All right, you ready to actually talk about the episode?
1: Yep, that was the news.
0: The news. The I news. Don't, I don't watch the news.
1: If you guys remember the apparently kid, he's getting interviewed. He's just adorable little redhead child. And he's getting interviewed at like an amusement park, and they're asking him what he thought of the ride. And they like, he like takes the microphone out of the lady's hand and starts talking. Apparently. Well, apparently, every every line starts with apparently.
0: And I don't watch the news. I don't. Uh, anyways, so episode 25. This one is Duggars on a Mission, and it also premiered February 17th, 2009. If you notice, like that was last week's date. This was in a time period when they were showing two episodes per night. Ooh. So, anyways, it starts with Pest talking about how it's their third day there. Oh, I mean, uh, spoiler if I didn't already. They're still in El Salvador. If we <laughs> didn't figure that out from Duggars on a Mission. Yeah. So it's their third day there, and they're headed to another orphanage slash daycare. And this episode, I don't want to say it's Pest heavy because he's not like a. Main character or anything,
1: mm-hmm. but just
0: last episode, he and Anna were very much in the background, and this yeah. th- he's just a little bit more prevalent this time. Not Anna, she's still background, um, but yeah, j- Pest is just around a little bit more, so it's ugh. We have to They're hear trying from- to
1: see if they could get that
0: spin off. <laughs> um, so before they get to the orphanage, it flashes to Cinder, Jana, and Michelle back at home, and Jana says that it's actually been pretty easy you know, handling all of the kids. And Michelle says, these little guys have been good helpers. <laughs> so it's not been terrible for them, I guess.
1: I like how Jana said, mom and I have been doing things. I'm like, oh, honey, oh yeah, you've been doing it yourself.
0: Yep. So now they're at the orphanage and we get a little bit more clarification on this because earlier it was called both an orphanage and a daycare. And I guess what it is, is that these kids... That are there during the day they rarely have both a mother and a father and in some cases they're even being cared for by like family members and friends so they're kind of considered so it's like a daycare for orphaned or single parent children Mm -hmm. basically and usually um, sadly the meal that they get there during the day is usually the only meal that they'll get in a day so it's Really, It's a really good resource for these families. They're number one having their kid watched over. And this is, supposed, I guess, one of the worst areas of town they mm-hmm. kind of made it sound like. And then they're also getting their meal for the day. So they bring lots of food and other essentials to donate to the orphanage. And they even brought some pinatas for the kids. Yep. So Lego hair being the human incarnation of a buzzkill that he <laughs> is, is really fucking annoying during the entire thing. Um, Because, like, number one, these kids are kids, and it's a piñata, and that's exciting, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, like, number two, these kids live in extreme poverty. I don't think it's that often that they get access to a piñata, if ever. Mm -hmm. And he just can't let the kids fucking just enjoy the moment without butting in, and he's, like, hovering over them. Did you notice the hover? (laughs) He's, like, hovering, and he's really not a fan of the selfish piñata behavior, Uh, because he's telling the kids...
1: (laughs) I didn't even make that connection.
0: Yeah, he's not... Well, like, you know, the kids are, like, starting to go after, like, the candy and stuff, Mm -hmm. and, like, and at different points, they show him, um, tell the kids, back-o, out of the way-o.
1: Yep. I do like the fact, like, lining it up to this, um, in the cold open, you never make any comments about the cold open, and I always comment on the cold open.
0: Because we see it later, I think that's why I don't.
1: But they they alluded to the fact that like everybody throws shade at jim bob yeah. about his horrible horrible spanish so this is kind of the first part that shows up in the episode yeah, i don't talk
0: about the cold open because we literally end up seeing all of those things later so that's why do you want me to start referencing no oh, okay
1: i don't <laughs> okay, it sets that. the stage
0: <laughs> okay um So he's saying back, out of the way, which I think is funny because last episode, you remember how I was saying how I kept waiting for him to just add an O onto the end of things like Mm -hmm. "bino," And at the time I was kind of disappointed, but um, here here we go. Asking ye shall receive. We got it this episode. And um, this is where, yeah, so Boob is getting roasted for the way he speaks.
1: By everybody.
0: Yes. There's a worker there that says, you know, he needs to work on his Spanish. And then Jessa says he thinks if he talks slow enough or kinda has their ex accent and then she goes, My name is Jim Bub like she says like <laughs> she even her accent's not even like Yep. But so Jessa is kinda roasting him. Um and then Boob says how he saw Alto on the stop signs, right? Is that mm-hmm. and um so he said he keeps saying that to the kids during the pinata to try to get them to stop. Because, you know, he saw that in the stop sign. So he's all, alto, alto. Backo. Backo out of the way oh So then Mike shot says, um, God help him. And this comes after earlier when Mike was saying how seeing 30 gringos traveling around in the back of a truck yelling, hola, hola, being the only word that basically any of them know. And then he says, and I don't even think Jim Bob knows that one. Yep. So, no shortage of roasting of boob, and I love it. And I didn't write this down, but did you notice when they were in the truck how all the girls that are wearing their SOS Ministries shirts are doing the like cool girl tie in the back? No, I did shirt? not. That's like funny. nowadays, it would be to tie it to the side or the front. Mm-hmm. Back then, it was like you took a big big t shirt and you like tied it in the back. And I was like, ooh.
1: So it's a little more form fitting. Well,
0: yeah. Mm hmm.
1: And then there's also another family that's doing this with them. They mentioned it last episode that there was another like big family that came at the Did same they time.
0: family I just remember them saying the other people like I
1: thought they said family, um. but um, obviously, they didn't want to be on t v at all because they never talked to any of them. Very rarely do you see them in the background of shots like so, it is funny that you're like, they didn't bring that many people. Well, it's because there's this whole other group that they're not even showing, really. Yeah. So,
0: So next scene, they're headed to visit another family in a very remote area. So, of course, the girls, they grab their flips and they hit the dirty trails once again. <laughs> Got to hit those dirt trails and those sandals. Yep. So, this particular family that they're going to see, the SOS Ministries, have bought them items for their home previously and so it's just like chairs and bowls and some other like supplies and stuff and they end up just kind of like showing off that that this guy like the father has an audible bible device mm-hmm. um because they p- previously mentioned that the father is illiterate and wants to get an education for his daughters mm-hmm. and they don't specifically say that they gave him the device but if they gave them bowls and chairs i d- doubt these people were getting like Bible recordings on their own. Of course. So this is definitely like the insert the Christianity part of like the, here, listen to this Bible.
1: Yeah. Every once in a while, the show in like the bottom left has the little like um, pop up that gives you some sort of fact Yeah. about kind of like things that are going on. And the thing that popped up in this one was that it was right after the uh, ministries guy said that the average family uses like $60 a month at the most for all the stuff that they have. Yeah. And then a thing popped up that said the average. That was
0: for the whole orphanage. Maybe it was was for the, yeah, that's what it was. It was for feeding all those kids at that orphanage.
1: That's what it was. And one of the pop-ups said the average family uses $60 for gym membership every month. And I thought that was wild because looking back to like me growing up, I didn't know anybody that had a gym membership. So, so it was, this is
0: 2008.
1: But still, like, no, I knew nobody.
0: I mean, neither did I, but I guess I thought I was, I don't know. Yeah.
1: Maybe we just weren't yuppie enough. I guess. Like, because it's not like my family or anybody that we knew was working out at home. Yeah. You know, so I just thought that was, it was random.
0: So now it's their fourth day and they're getting ready to throw a Christmas party and they're in a village that eight years prior, um, they suffered a huge loss from an earthquake where 99 out of 100 of the homes in the village were completely destroyed. It's a lot. Um, Boob's going to boob and he's trying to introduce himself to people in his like jimblish because I don't even know what you want to call it because it's not Spanglish. (laughs) It's not even English. Like It's just like. So he's speaking jimblish. How do
1: he fail in both languages?
0: Right. And Mike roasts him yet again, saying, "We're still working on this, dear friend. Spanish. We're trying. We've we've improved from back-o.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so it was pretty funny.
1: I do like the thing. I I like the fact that they're roasting him, but then I'm also like, "How many times have you done this?" Because he talks about how they've done this for a long time. Yeah. That they come down here and this do their this third year. So at no point in those three years could you learn two damn words in the language.
0: No. Jim, boob can't be bothered.
1: I guarantee you he would complain about immigrants oh, not he learning a English. Perc- so. A fucking
0: thousand percent. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the rules don't apply when you're coming down to save the poor souls and motivate <laughs> them. Remember, motivate the poor people um let's see okay so next they're shown calling baby canon back at home and he's telling her where they're at and she says like he's just saying like they're at whatever esperanza like whatever it is yeah. i don't remember the name of it exactly and she goes you've learned spanish
1: <laughs> yes he's
0: completely fluent in spanish <laughs> He says esperanza or whatever it is and she's like you learn he spanish? doesn't
1: even say it right like he because the family's like around him when he's on the cell phone and he was like we're uh where are we? And he like mumbles through the word and like two of the older kids look at him and are like, no, it's yeah. like, they're literally come on. Yep. Oh, that man.
0: But, uh, when they hear Michelle say that they're all like laughing and whatever, yep. he tells them that they're planning for 260 kids to show up at the party that day. And they even talk about the weather a little bit, which I'm just going to grace <laughs> you guys with. Apparently it's 85 degrees in El Salvador, but in the 40s, back in Arkansas, yeah. And Michelle says it's so windy it even blew over the entire nativity scene. Ugh.
1: Disaster at the Tater Tot Mansion. Yep.
0: What can they do without the men there, to, the men folk, to pick the nativity That's back true. up? <sighs> okay, so now we're just watching them prepare for the party. They're assembling gift bags and they're pumping up soccer balls and all that stuff. Then the party begins and they end up having crafts for the kids and even a trampoline and. I will, like the kids look like they are having a lot of fun, so it is nice yeah. to see. Like they look like they're really, really enjoying themselves.
1: I want to point out one thing in this scene. Go for it. I think the fact that Pest was this close to a bunch of orphanages is terrifying. Um, but he did learn a Spanish phrase that I guarantee you pest Backo or, out of the way? No, it wasn't backo out of the wayo. It wasn't Grande Bag of Beans, big old bag. It was uh It was kind of like, God bless you in Spanish. Dios te bendiga. As they were starting to hand certain things out, um, he says it to a kid. And I was like, come on, when Pest can learn three words in Spanish, come on, Lego hair.
0: Pest was saying Feliz Navidad as he handed handed out all the bags.
1: So Pest can learn five words in Spanish
0: the police mommy dog
1: police mommy dog yep
0: (laughs) um oh there was a kid that we knew that saying it like that anyways so yeah i didn't catch that he did that so he but he so that what's the phrase again god bless dios
1: te bendiga
0: which means what say it again
1: kind of like god bless you or god protect you so that's the
0: only thing he 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 won't learn actual things to them but he's like oh well if i can say god i gotta throw
1: god in there somewhere yeah
0: yeah. that seems typical (laughs) So they're also taking photos of the children and their families for them to be able to take home, which is nice. Like they're taking a picture and they're yeah. putting in like one of those like little cardboard kind of like sleeve frames type things. Mm-hmm. And which is nice because it's something that I'm sure they n- don't normally get to have. Mm-hmm. And they even said that because this is their third year, like Josh was saying this. Ugh, but he was saying that just as they've come back year after year when they go and visit some of the families, they like they see it displayed in their house because it's like the only picture that they have. Yeah. Um, and then they end up presenting the gifts to the kids by calling them up by their name to receive their gifts. And um, the episode ends with Jim Bob saying, I love the people in El Salvador. They are so precious. They have such tender hearts. But he also says, <laughs> I mean, which number one to me, that doesn't feel very genuine. I just don't like when people are just like, I just love, like, I feel like when it's that general. Mm. I mean, could someone say it can I don't know. It just doesn't feel that sincere is all I'm getting at. Like, does it feel sincere to you?
1: No, not at does all. Does it feel sincere? But most things that Lego call- hair does don't feel and sincere And calling, to
0: like, all these people, like, precious, like, they're fucking children. Like, I just yeah. don't. It's, I'm like, your word choice is fucking awful.
1: I wanted to say something to you about what you're about to read compared to our last episode. Mm-hmm. But can I inter- can I interject with a couple things before we move on? Yeah. Just because I feel like that last statement is going to cause a lot of conversation, so, um, like I did, I did like the um, the the photo thing. I thought that was thoughtful, and like you said, something that they're not going to get a, a small point of ingenuity, which I appreciate. Um, they bought a bunch of soccer balls to take to the kids knowing that they like playing soccer but they couldn't figure out how to get them there without having this giant mass of stuff so what they did was they bought a pump and they deflated all of the soccer balls so then they nested into each other and it took up less space I thought that was pretty ingenuous so I'll then give them they that
0: were pumping them up uh, for the party again yeah
1: that's correct so I thought that was yeah. cool that they were like okay we're gonna fit you know I'll give credit where credit is due. Um there was a really awkward side hug with Lego hair and this woman, like just this woman that obviously was like at the party with a bunch of the other people and he was like awkwardly side hugging her and she was like kind of smiling and then he doesn't stop and she's just like very happy and he like <laughs> nods like stop awkwardly side hugging the women, remember man. This at all. Um <laughs> And then I have a Michelle thing, but I want us to talk about the, the way they close out the episode. So okay. go ahead and finish your statement.
0: So after he talks about them being <clears throat> precious, and he loves them with their tender hearts and all, he also says, I wouldn't be surprised if several of our children come here to do mission work for years to come, or we may even, uh, or or we may, even us, or maybe some of our family members May end up adopting some of these children and trying to invest in their lives.
1: I face palmed so hard.
0: <sighs>
1: because of two things. In the last episode, they talked about how it takes like five, six years just to get through the adoption process. Yeah. And then we obviously went over what their religion believes about adopted adoption. children. It's not an option, you asshole.
0: Well, which is. It is interesting though, because you'll see going forward, there's a ton, like, once it gets to the counting on days, a ton of the kids are like, oh, we might be interested in adoption. Has anybody adopted? No, nobody (laughs) has. Um, And there are other IBLP families, like the Bates, like Kelly Bates has, like, an adopted sister from another country, like, everything Mm -hmm. like that. She's much younger too. Like, her parents adopted her, like, later. Mm -hmm. But, like, I've seen Kelly Bates, like, say to people online being like, hey, this is what you know, IBLP says about adoption and she's just like, you know, we, we believe in it and everybody's in charge of, you know, responsible for their own sin, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. So there are, do seem to be IBL people, IBLP people that seem to like not be against adoption. But I, I can't tell if, you know, with the Duggars, is it, Sound like the right thing to say and they don't mean it at all? Or is it one of those things where they're like, no, 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 we really do want to adopt, but then, like, you know, people say a lot of shit that they never do. Is it just a classic thing where they actually, they kind of do want to, but they're never going to fucking do it Or do they actually, do they actually even believe in it? Not believe in it and then don't want to and know that they're not going to carry through, but it sounds, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you could take it a bunch of different ways, right? So, but you'll see in the future that, like, they talk about adoption quite a bit.
1: It just made me it because it was so fresh, yeah. I, I face palmed real hard. Um Yeah. Yep. The last I have a couple notes. Okay. Just some offhand things. Um there's a point where they're talking to the family with the the gentleman with the uh talk bible. The, oh yeah. Whatever they call that. Um they're talking to the mother and they ask the mother, How many kids do you have? And she said, I have two daughters. And then the ministry guy points at Lego hair and says he has 18. And she looks like, I think when you see them and they're at the mall or they're at these different places when they were in New York City and people are like, "Well, you have so many kids. It's kind of that, like you say, kind of that like freak show show. aspect of it. This lady looked kind of horrified. (laughs) And I literally wrote, she didn't believe him. Because in her paradigm, that's so irresponsible. Yeah, you would never be able to support that many children in the in the circumstances in which they're growing up in. Yeah. So it's not that it's like, oh wow, how do you do the laundry? In <laughs> yeah, her head, right. she's like,
0: how the fuck do you you're feed them?
1: Irresponsible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yep. And
1: then we've we've brought up a couple times recently about like exceptionalism about how, like, they have it all understood and, like, their way's the right way and kind of the way that they they bring those things up kind of passive-aggressively. Mm-hmm. One of the things that Baby Cannon said when she was on, like, A Talking Head was, um, oh, something along the lines of we, like, it's really important to to see how other people live. And then the quote that I took was, most of the rest of all the world has no running water and they live with dirt floors. I'm like, that's... It's like most of the rest of <laughs> what everybody outside of the United States outside must, of
0: Arkansas, <laughs> right?
1: Everybody outside of the U.S. must be tree people, and they live up in tree houses. <laughs> yeah, because I, there's no way that they have running water. That
0: totally pinged, and I didn't write it down, but I remember thinking the same thing of like the the most of the, the world, like, I was, the, like
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, which we get it. Everybody right. understands that there's parts of the world that do not have running water that live in poverty. Completely understand, but the idea that like most of the world is that way,
0: yeah,
1: is a little backward.
0: <laughs> oh, Michelle, <laughs> and I
1: don't think it has anything to do with like those places. I think it has everything to do with like, nope, everything we have is the best version of what it can oh, be. Yeah, 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 yep, so.
0: Which is actually kind of funny because it kind of – that reminds me for a split second of one of the things that when I listened to the video, the podcast and, like, the YouTube of Josh McDonald when he talks about, like, Americans have this idea of, like, everything about America is the best ever and that's not always the case. And so I feel like it almost plays into that. It's like, well, everybody else must have it absolutely shitty. Like Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Anything else? Nope. All right. It wasn't – wasn't too much, which I was actually pretty happy for. I was like, "That's <laughs> fine, just easy breezy." Second yeah. half of this, I think we got the like t- the more disgusting end of like the more the things that were really pissed me off at. Jim Bob said were last episode. This one, I was just like, "He's just a fucking buffoon, <laughs> backo awayo." Like, yeah, it's just yeah. Anyways, so that's it. Take a little break. We'll be right back with a deep dive. So today's deep dive is all about Esther Keller, now Schrader. I chose her for this episode particularly because her life story is steeped in missionary work. And believe me, missionary work is with quotations here. Okay. So I figured it was fitting because we we're talking about missionary work. Mm-hmm. That's a big part of Esther's life. Okay. So for the sources for today, um, it's some Reddit posts Well, a Reddit post by a a particular user, an AMA, that one of Anna's childhood friend, the Schrader's own Facebook and old website, as well as some free ginger posts. Okay. So, of course, we know a little bit about Esther's background um, in the Keller family because of Deep Dive episode number eight. Mm -hmm. So, we kind of know her family dynamic and background and history. It's all kind of covered there. But Esther is the oldest Keller child born on May 9th of 1981. And in her bio on their old website, we really don't learn much about her. <laughs>
1: like, you said that was the one with the big blonde curls that was doing no, Anna's hair? No. No, that's Rebecca. That's oh. the
0: one that was married to Josh. Okay. This is an older, the oldest sister. We've okay. never really seen. She was obviously at the wedding, but it wasn't a big okay. like thing or whatever. So... Um, we don't m- learn too much about her in the bio. She talks of her convictions and testimony, her work in detention centers with Pa Keller, mm-hmm. and her love of teaching children in the junior church. That's about it. Okay. Nothing really about her because you know I guess it's not too too surprising though because it's not, <laughs> you know women are nothing but their faith, their husbands, and their children. So yeah. you know what else do they have? Nothing. Yeah, women
1: don't have a whole lot of identity <laughs> in this. Yeah. Uh, so I
0: guess it's not that shocking. Sect. Um, So, getting ahead, we're going to, you know, spoiler alert, she eventually marries John Schrader. Spoiler. Okay. So, the childhood friend of Anna that did the AMA from just a couple of weeks ago said regarding John, quote, if you think Josh is bad, dot, 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 (laughs) which that says a lot. If you're saying that, compare, if you think Josh is bad, you're, I mean... Without saying it, it's all—it's saying it. You know, it's one right. of those type situations. So on that note, let's talk a little bit about John's background. Um, and like Esther, John is also the oldest child, but his parents had a fucking Bush League five kids, whereas <laughs> Esther was the oldest of eight. Still no Duggar numbers, but you know, eight is more than five.
1: It's like they're not even trying.
0: Five is like my Mormon family. Like all my cousins, like... Yeah. They had a lot of fivers. Mm. You know, we had a Quentin. We had a Quentin because he was the get it.
1: Oh, fi- yeah. Yeah,
0: Quentin Quentin is also a very Mormon name. <laughs> okay, so John was born June 29th, 1977, and John's father, Rick, was and is a Baptist pastor who planted as they their their vernacular their wording. Okay. Um, planted a church in Katy, Texas.
1: You got to so, water it, you got to till the land. Yep. Make sure your seeds are correct.
0: Um put shit on it?
1: Yep. There mm-hmm. you go. Fill it with shit. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep,
0: sounds about right. So he talks of becoming, so this is John now. He talks about becoming saved at the young age of 5. And he actually tells the story of how, like, you know, he knew he wanted to before. I'm like, who the fuck knows before, like, five? Like, it's just so ridiculous. It's so fucking <laughs> preposterous. Like, I think the whole, like, getting baptized at eight in the Mormon church is in- fucking sanity. And I could go on, on about that for forever.
1: And then I came from a Catholic family. So she's, like, baptizing infants is in- so weird to me. Insanity
0: to me. Like, oh, yeah. that, that they've done so much. Um, <laughs> So, but he talks about how he'd previously wanted to be baptized, but his dad was just like, no, you need to make sure you're sure to a fucking like what, four year old? Like this is (laughs) crazy. But he just talks about how this one day he was just so sure he was ready. And his dad was like out somewhere, something with pastoring or whatever. And he tells Mm -hmm. his mom and she's like, no, dad's not going to be home until tomorrow. So he talks about being afraid to go to sleep for fear of being condemned to hell if he died overnight.
1: Jeez. And like,
0: I, so to me, it just goes uh, like, this is what we're doing to five-year-old children, and mm-hmm. by we, I don't mean me, but this yeah. is what we're doing to children. Mm-hmm. So, and I, you've
1: specifically brought up, like, in your upbringing, that you remember moments of like great anxiety and like emotional anguish as a kid, yeah, caused by your religious upbringing,
0: yeah. You know? so it's like to hear things like that, and just like, what, what a thing to be thinking of in kindergarten, you know. <laughs> I better not die tonight before I tell my dad I'm ready to be baptized. (laughs) So anyways, I think this is probably the one time in this entire thing that I have some sympathy for John Schrader kind of ends after he's five. (laughs) So then he became the church pianist at a very young age. And he went on to serve at several like mission trips and things like that. And, As he gets older, he ends up getting his master's degree in biblical studies in 2001, which is just what we need. You know, (laughs) more people getting those, you know, theological degrees. Yep. We need more of that. He then says, quote, shortly after I graduated, the Lord brought me my wife. So let's talk about how the Lord brought him, his wife. So a year ago, a Reddit Reddit user posted about how John and Esther met. So this person, their connection here, is that her grandparents attended Rick Schrader's church in Katy, Texas. And she would go there for a few weeks every summer to visit. Um, and, like, her aunt was, like, her same age. So, like, mm-hmm. there was, like, one of those situations. Yeah. So she would go there and, like, hang out with her aunt and stay with her grandparents for the summer. So in turn, of course, being there, she ended up attending... Mm -hmm. several church services yeah she said that esther took care of the nursery uh kids during like the big church type thing Mm -hmm. but then she also taught the teen girls on their sunday school classes which is how she remembers esther because she was a young teen at the time okay um she just talks about how like she remembers esther as being like really sweet and like, making them, like, having tea parties and, like, making herbal mint tea and them having, the. Like, she was, okay. like, I know it sounds really, like, infantile, but she's, like, that whole sect of, like, girl, you're very, like, Anne of Green Gables, so, like, having tea <laughs> is, like, very cool. Like, yeah. yeah. So, anyways, so that's just kind of, like, her memories of Esther, but then she recalls a sermon being given by Rick and John at the church, estimating to be probably 2005 or 2006. Mm-hmm. That's about waiting on God's plan for marriage. And then they go into how God brought Esther into John's life to be his helpmeet. You know, I love that word.
1: Everything about that word is gross.
0: So apparently at some point, John became rebellious. What? But in the beginning, they kind of denim skirt around what that actually means but they do say that he was chasing after worldly sinful things. But the one thing that they do specify that he did was, are you ready for it?
1: It's a good thing I'm sitting down.
0: John was dating girls. Not courting. He was dating.
1: So should we just like electric chair him now? or it probably
0: would have turned out better for Esther. <laughs> So those, if, if that's not the only thing, I'm curious what the other things are. But the way they are, that probably is it. Who knows? Like, I have oh, no yeah. idea. I mean, it could be worse. He could be a fucking pest and be doing, who knows? Mm-hmm. But that's the only part that they got, like, super specific about. Wow. Well. So suddenly, I guess, John decided that he wasn't about this rebellious life anymore. And he turned back to God. He realized he didn't actually like any of these girls and only wanted one thing from them which sex (laughs) well it's actually really funny because the person who wrote this says and here's the part where 14 year old me nodded my head like i knew what they were talking about when i had no idea what they were talking (laughs) about and she Mm -hmm. was just like "Mm "Mm-hmm." she's like oh you gotta
1: hate you hate to see it you (laughs) know you just hate to see it
0: and so i just thought that was a really funny addition there i was like get where you're like "Mm, yeah one Mm -hmm. thing (laughs) um anyways So he knew that he only wanted the one thing from them, the sex. (laughs) And but he said that all the girls were nice, but just not godly enough.
1: Oh, they didn't have big white beards and (laughs) sandals or what?
0: Uh, So he felt like God was telling him to settle down. So he did what you do, you know. What everyone does. He asked your father to find you a wife. Well, yeah. Typical, right?
1: Because I know that's what I would do. I want my dad's taste in women. (laughs) Right. And that's no shade to, like, my mother and them being a couple. That's just me saying, like, no, I'm good. I I I think I'll find my my own thing.
0: I think I'll find my own, yeah. Yeah. So the writer admits that they're not entirely sure exactly all the details about how this went down. But basically... And, and like how they even knew each other or, you know, those things are a little fuzzy here. But basically, Rick Schrader asks Pa if he knew of any godly women for John. And what do you know? Pa sends him Esther.
1: Well, we got a doozy for you. I feel like this is like a used car exchange <laughs> is what's going on like. You got anything used with uh with a lot of storage space, very and, little miles on it? We're yep.
0: looking at like you know just around the lot.
1: Yeah, like good fuel economy.
0: <laughs> we don't we want we don't want it too. You it can't be used used. <laughs> okay, so the the user ends up like kind of ending their post by saying, "But yeah, Esther was basically a mail order bride." So. What's wild to me is that they use this as a sermon, as an example of a positive way in which a marriage came about. Like, it's just wild to me to think that you just literally preach this, like, and then we just sent, we, she got sent here and here, here she is, my wife. It's just wild.
1: It's like the trafficking reference that you made before. Yeah. Like.
0: Yeah. You know of any godly women? Pause. Like, sure Do. And just, like, probably, like, shipped her off with the Bible so he could put her, like, he could claim, like, media mail. And he just, like, <laughs> mailed her to Texas. Here she is.
1: I mean, at least they put uh, holes in the wood crate that they sent her in. Yeah. You know, it's important. You don't want them to pass out.
0: So this person, of course, is telling the story from, like, the Schrader, Texas side of things, right? Mm-hmm. So the friend of Anna's, her childhood friend AMA, seems to corroborate this story, but it's interesting because now we're hearing it on kind of like the Keller end of things. So during a point where Anna and Pest came into their, <laughs> came to be in their you know, zero courtship straight to engagement timeline um, that we discussed a few episodes ago, mm-hmm. this friend in her AMA had said, quote, yes, that's very common. And she watched multiple of her older sisters do the same thing. It gets so much better. But by better, of course, I mean worse. I was going to say. She says, quote, her oldest sister's testimony was about how she sobbed for three days when her dad told her who she had to marry. And that was who was held up on a pedestal for for us as the gold standard. So it's fucking wild. Like, I can't get over the fact that, like, sharing that you sobbed for three days at the thought of marrying your husband Being, like, touted as a good thing.
1: (laughs) Right. And that's not... It's not like a... I was afraid to leave home or... Like, it has nothing... And it might be
0: that part of it, but, like, you know, but...
1: But it's always framed in the way of, like, when they told me who I had to marry, I cried for three days.
0: Yeah, and then they're telling this story and everybody's like, oh. Like, it's (laughs) fucking wild. What is wrong with these people? It's insane. Oh, my God. So, she this is um, referring to the ama person she describes john as very controlling and says quote who proposed to his very scared wife after three days of the most intense love bombing and spiritual manipulation three days after meeting wow so it's like got any women here's and then pause like here's my daughter then he comes there she's probably she probably is initially thrilled for three days to be getting attention from a boy and be okay correct it's not allowed correct and then it's like and we're getting married and then she's probably like oh fuck yeah like think of the emotion think of all the things that just Mm -hmm. transpired yeah like it's crazy like i feel feel very sad for esther so that is the story of how those two came to be it's like, I wasn't sure from Pest and Anna's courtship uh, if if it could get worse, and this definitely tops it. Oh, God. Like, I mean, they didn't know each other. This takes the cake. They didn't know mm. each other at all. Right. So it's like, well, I thought that was bad with their- I mean, he,
1: he didn't even guess her siblings' ages.
0: I know. They didn't even get to flirt at the snack bar. <laughs> So, another funny tidbit from this AMA was he said Anna's older sister and her fiancé weren't allowed to touch, so they held the ends of a stick instead. (laughs) (laughs) Now, she didn't say Esther specifically, at least at the point where I took the screenshot because I read this forever, like, you know, a while ago and was keeping stuff for future deep dives, if she went back and clarified later. But anyways, not really that important, but I do think it is referring to Esther specifically... Um, I just I just don't get the vibe that that's like Rebecca and Josh's thing I just don't Mm -hmm. get that vibe even before you know Rebecca left IBLP and stuff but the reason uh, it definitely tracks being John and Esther is because their engagement photo is them holding their hands up almost like mime style with a Bible between their hands so that they're not touching (laughs) so I totally think it's her. Hang so on,
1: Chinese I- finger trap would have been okay?
0: Yeah. Uh, let me see. I'm going to text you the picture. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Oh, God. I want you to see. I. You just got to see this.
1: It's just funny, that idea of, like, it, it feels like the stereotype of, like, siblings playing and then them being, like, don't touch your sister. And then it's the, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. Yeah.
0: Okay, so oh to... my
1: oh my <laughs> i know that is
0: i know it's something isn't it
1: that is something
0: so this is definitely going in visuals
1: oh man um
0: but this is not this is not the most hilarious part you ready for the best part
1: oh honey
0: so they, they couldn't hold hands <clears throat> however she was allowed to give him a head massage because technically hair is dead Number one, the mental gymnastics of it all with their loopholes. And number two, can you imagine the chub he probably got from her rubbing her, her hands through his hair?
1: I've been asking Whitney to give me a head massage for months.
0: You know, if we're really going to get down to it, what do you think is more sensual? Their, their word. They use the word Holding
1: sensual. Holding hands.
0: Holding hands or running like running your hands through their <laughs> hair. What do you think is more likely to give a guy like a chub?
1: <laughs> um... You guessing my age.
0: <laughs> okay, never mind. That's why they skipped over that. Pa was like, none of that.
1: <laughs> hey, hey, hey we're then, not going to you know, get into But there. then
0: it's, it goes down. You know, you get more lax with your kids by the time it got to Anna. He's like, yep. okay, you can guess her age. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man.
0: So, yeah, the, the loopholes they have. Well, the hair is dead. It's. Okay, so. Esther and John end up getting married on November 3rd, 2001.
1: Oh, look at that.
0: So ironically, we share wedding anniversaries with them. (laughs) With them getting married exactly 10 years before us. So we just had our 11-year anniversary this past week, which Mm -hmm. means that they just had their 21st. How precious. (laughs) Using the Duggar word. How precious. (laughs) So now let's talk about their life after they got married. Apparently, as soon as they got married, they both knew that they wanted to do mission work, but, quote, knew that it had to be the Lord calling us and not just our desires. So instead, at first, he served as his father's associate pastor for five years at that church in Katy, Texas, which perfectly aligns with that timeline of that first Reddit post. Mm-hmm. She saying it's 2005, 2006. That's towards the tail end of him being the associate pastor there. Mm-hmm. Then they end up moving all the way to Washington State where he spent a year and a half as a pastor before they end up moving to Oregon. Then they end up in Oregon for four years, again pastoring, and it's during this time that he hears about Zambia and he becomes fixated on it. So he tells Esther about this and apparently she prays and I guess she gets confirmation from God as well that it's the right move for them. So in March of 2012, They go to Zambia on a survey trip using the money that they were going to use for their 10-year anniversary trip on an Alaskan cruise. But, you know, Zambia, that's good. That's fine. Same thing. Mm -hmm. So it's after this trip that they end up putting up their house for sale. And they begin preparing for their mission and were, quote, totally living by faith. Now, that timeline of events and that quote are taken directly from their old website, like bio type thing, under the part that's written by John. So it pretty much goes straight from that quote to talk of the, like the excitement and seeing where the Lord takes them, blah, 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 right? But what it totally glosses over is what that totally living by faith really entailed which was the entire family living in a pop-up camper, not even an RV, a pop-up camper. And at this point, I just want to point out that they had seven kids. By that point, it's insanity. And on Facebook, John even wrote one time, quote, Thankfully, the children are all small, so all nine of us have a place to sleep. Shoving a family of nine in a tent on wheels is irresponsible.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And it's, you know, if it wasn't so fucking God awful, it would be comical that he writes each kid having a place to sleep like it's like a bonus and not a necessity. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't so bad, it'd be funny. Yep. So, of course, during this time of living in a tent on fucking wheels, John is being roasted on the Internet. From what everyone can tell, he never seems to hold down a job for very long. And, like, right before this whole, like, survey trip, it seemed like he had lost another job working at a car dealership as a salesman. Mm-hmm. And um, he ends up seemingly confirming this, that he, all the different jobs he has, when he seems to become aware that all, of all of this heat that he's getting online. And he begins popping up on various boards and forums and starting to respond to the criticism. <laughs> So I'm into, I'm going I'm going off of like a couple of posts in the next part. Uh, he almost has a like a light script he follows in his responses cuz all are pretty similar but some of them have just bits and pieces different from the other one. So I'm kind of just like piecing together some okay. different things, but I don't So he feel, built
1: a defense and then is just yeah, yeah, and
0: I don't feel like leaving out certain parts or like whatever combining. I don't feel like it changes the context. It's just they kind of repeat each other, but Right. So he says, "Quote <laughs> This is the one where he's more salty. <laughs> Quote, you people have no idea who I am. When I pastored in Oregon, I worked a 60 to 70 hour a week job to provide for my children and wife and served as a pastor for almost nothing. We qualified for food stamps, but never took them. We just chose to make careful choices with our funds.
1: That's on you, buddy. Yeah, seriously. That doesn't make you better. That makes you less responsible. That
0: makes you like, you know, what? like these are the type of people who are so against food stamps and welfare.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But then we'll just starve their kids in the meantime. I'd rather your kids fucking eat because it's not your kids fucking fault that they're not mm-hmm. eating properly or living in a fucking camper. Yep. And some posts back on the camper for a second. Um, I, well, actually, no, I'll read this next part. <laughs> um, so in another one, he says, quote, we are moving as a family to live in Africa as missionaries. Before that, I pastored for 10 years. I worked a secular job alongside my pastoring all 10 years. I have owned my own successful lawn care business for over six years, been a licensed real estate agent in two states, and worked in a custom cabinet building shop. I have been approved and worked in many school districts as a substitute teacher in Washington State. God help those children. (laughs) Just what we need. And have letters of recommendation from principals and school administrators. Now, a bunch of those are kind of funny because just with light digging, people weren't really seeing the evidence of these jobs that you'd think you'd see. And I'm not saying that maybe there's no truth to them, but it sounds very played up. I think he probably did all of those for very short periods of time. Right. And people are like, how if you had they're like, if you're a real estate agent like when he when he posted like what jobs he worked on his Facebook, mm. if you were such a real estate why is that not on your Facebook but some other mm. bullshit thing is and people are like, What did he did he, you know, for six years as a teenager mow lawns and he's trying to be like, I had a successful had a s- lawn care, but you know yeah. <laughs> like it all sounds like that's probably the vibe because yeah. people aren't you're not seeing these things that he's talking about mm-hmm. in the way that you feel like you should be.
1: When I worked in Um, I used to work at a casino here in Arizona, and there was a guy that used to come in, and he owned like a middle of the road uh, like pest control business that operated in Maricopa. Mm -hmm. And I will never forget him talking to our like restaurant manager, complaining and being like, "Well, I don't understand why you can't do that." I owned a restaurant in New York City, and when we did that, you know, and it was like some dumb food complaint that he had and i remember the restaurant manager coming back to me and being like all right well he's back and he told me the name of the guy we knew it was the pest control guy and i loved his response because his response to me was like he loves to whip out well i'm i used to own a restaurant in new york city and it's like you're in pest control now how successful was your restaurant in new york city
0: suddenly in food everybody's worked in food well i've worked in food. well i've done like suddenly everybody's done it all yeah but yeah totally has the same vibe Mm -hmm. then he addresses them living in a camper as well saying quote we chose to live in a pop-up camper for a time to save money and have consistency for our children as we have traveled from church to church which I uh, take and kind of assume is them looking for churches to support their mission. Like mm-hmm. the more churches they can get on board, the more money. Yep. So, A.K.A. grift for money, <laughs> and put our kids on a fucking t- in a tent on wheels in the mm-hmm. meantime. And he ends it with saying, "They viewed it as a year-long camping trip."
1: <laughs> Did they? know? You know what they would probably appreciate more than the the year-long camping trip. A solid house to live yeah, in. Yeah, seriously.
0: And it's like, okay, the whole, they love it. Like, that's just what they do. In, you know, it's just like Michelle always being like, the kids love helping with this. The kids right. love to, you know, the kids always seem to love it. But let's say the kids do. It's because they're kids and they may find being out dirty and like, you know, like they mm. may find something because they don't see the whole big picture. But as the parent, you're supposed to provide better. Mm-hmm. And um, nine people in a pop-up is not okay. No. And this isn't just a case of people falling on hard times and having to do what they have to do. To sur- mm-hmm. They chose this. Correct. They put themselves in this situation. Mm-hmm. He can't hold down a job. He's deciding <laughs> that they're going to go be missionaries in Zambia. He chose a pop-up. I mean, he just said, we chose that. Correct. It wasn't a thing out of necessity, mm-hmm. is what he's saying. It was a decision to save money. And um, the pictures were taken down. But there were pictures of the pop-up camper at one point, And, like, I saw comments where people were like, they're like, it's literally the type where you have to lift up the sink to get to the toilet. Like, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> you know oh, type yeah. thing. You know, like, so you're going to say that's really a viable option for mm-hmm. seven children and two adults.
1: Yeah.
0: It seems unhygienic. It seems neglectful.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah. And.
1: I think it's different when you have means. When you have means to have a more secure,
0: I'm not convinced that they even had the means though. Either you know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like I feel like there's this weird middle ground where I think that they, I think he, I'm, I think he chose it in the sense because he's a fucking lazy fuck and who doesn't want to have a regular job mm-hmm. and wants to do his whole like God white savior, you know, be the whole savior thing. Mm-hmm. So to me, he's choosing it in that sense. I think that they were fucking dirt poor.
1: But that's what I'm saying. Like if he would have just stayed with the job for a while, or if he indeed was a real estate agent, whatever it was like, like you had the capacity to provide a better living situation for your family. And you weren't doing it because you think, you think he's lazy, which, and and you want to do your thing, right? You want to do you. Yeah. And you're going to bring your kids up this way. And when somebody comments on it, you're going to put it to, well, they like it. Well, you know, it's we're, a
0: year long camping trip,
1: right? Like, yeah, I'm gonna try to spin it this way, and it's like, no, that's how you justify it in your head. Yeah. But yep. I guarantee you, once again, you know what? <laughs> There's jokes in this manner, but it's like, you know what? Uh, feels better than than being a missionary and living in a year long camping trip, a bed to sleep in. Yeah, like,
0: yeah. Yep. Um, and it does look at look like at some point they do get like temporary housing like i can't tell if other people put them up but Mm -hmm. it seems like in the cold winter months that they did have a place to stay and then i mean which is good can you because you imagine oregon in the winter in a tent yeah so Seems like they got put up somewhere, and then they ended up before actually leaving to Zambia, being back in Texas. So then I think they had a place to stay there again. Mm-hmm. But still, along this way, there was these long bouts of time where you had all your children in a camper. And if if they... Oh, and so they just had a van that apparently his parents bought for them. Okay. He totaled the van because he fell asleep at the wheel. Thank God he didn't have his children in it or wasn't Mm -hmm. like, you know, carrying the family house at the same at the time. (laughs) Like he wasn't all in the house. It was just in the van. I mean, it's just like it's just a fucking disaster. Like it's just it sounds like such a fucking mess. Yeah. Anyways.
1: But it's a mess for the Lord.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's different kind. It's allowed. So eventually the whole family moves to Zambia June 6th of 2014. So the family actually seems to have a much more stable living situation over there in Africa. (laughs) Go figure, because now their lifestyle is not dependent on John actually providing for the family. (laughs) They are now completely supported by the donations of others. So for them, that's good, because they have better odds than him taking care of them. And I didn't even like write it down or whatever but at one point he got on something he was like i'm basically it was just like a whole wah-wah i misunderstood the way you guys have presented me online i wouldn't like me either like you know <laughs> like this whole thing but anyway so they're they have a much better like they have a they have a home that's not uh they don't have to lift up the sink to go to the bathroom <laughs> they're you know overall much better and honestly there's just so much i could get into but just for moving it along um, I could save, save some of this for future deep dives or I was actually thinking if if in the future we end up doing a Patreon, which I'm thinking about. It could be like bonus content on Patreon mm-hmm. to get into more of this stuff. But out of all the things I was trimming out of this saga, I did decide I need to include some of what happened in 2017. So in April of 2017... John began posting on Facebook that a disciple of his had turned against him and was reaching out to other people about him on Facebook and talking, like, badly about him, basically. Okay. And John was asking people of Facebook to let him know if they were being contacted by this guy. (laughs) Okay. Then in August of 2017, John starts posting a series of vague, like, woe is me you know post but like christian style so i cut a bunch of the stuff but it's like you know it's like the girl that's like going through a breakup and then she starts like posting quotes
1: song lyrics yeah yeah. like
0: shit like that so he's pulling that but it's like god you know god shit it's like you know what i mean like it it's just it's the total same vibe of like what's wrong john oh i don't i just don't want to talk about it like it's (laughs) it's definitely that but uh i'm gonna read you some of the best ones that aren't just you know quotes and lyrics oh
1: god
0: well today the situation got much worse i can honestly say that this has been the worst two days in our our entire time in zambia esther and i have cried until there seemed to be no more tears over what god is revealing in some
1: i can know who is that my chemical romance (laughs)
0: what would uh what would be like a good biblical band name
1: what is that uh some DC talk there? <laughs>
0: but that's the rock beat. That's not allowed. That's true. Damn. Got nothing. <laughs> so he also claims that he and Esther and along with some other church members are being threatened.
1: Oh my.
0: So then several members of the church end up posting about John on their fa- Facebook page. I love the f- I love some biblical mess. Some biblical <laughs> Facebook mess. Like give it to me. <laughs> So, yeah, they're just getting messy, and then now they're talking about John on their Facebooks, and I'm just going to give you a few.
1: Okay.
0: First one, quote, God is truly revealing a lot about the... You know how earlier I said I say missionary with quotations around Mm -hmm. it? This time there literally is quotation marks around it.
1: Oh, damn. Okay. Written by
0: the guy. God is truly revealing a lot about the missionary that led me to Christ regarding his fire-red desperation to succeed in ministry that hinders him from being effective. Now my good friends that he has been brainwashing to support him even when he was wrong have finally seen how deceitful, manipulating, and dishonest he is.
1: Oh, damn. Okay.
0: uh, And now I'm just pulling some key things out of various posts. Another one said that he is, quote, so drunk with pride. Oh, drunk and pride. <laughs> oh, my.
1: For any of my uh, Rick and Morty, fellow Rick and Morty fans, every time Whitney throws down some of this hot, tr- like biblical trash talk. I some kinda, of that
0: herbal tea that Esther was serving up that one. Right.
1: Round. Exactly. I, every once in a while from the back, I just want to go,
0: God damn.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Shout out my Rick and Morty fans.
0: Um, So drunk drunk with pride, and another person said he was, quote, narcissistic fraud with an overinflated God complex.
1: Damn. So this is
0: pretty fucking spicy coming from, like, church people, right? You know? (laughs) So this last one I'll give is my favorite. Oh,
1: my God. Are we in the middle of, like, a biblical rap battle right now? I don't know. It's good, though.
0: It infuriates me that someone can just waltz into our backyard, arrogantly declare how they want us to live, and we blindly comply even if it means going against fundamental principles of who we are as a nation. Which pretty much sums up my feelings on missionary, missionary work. work. <laughs> <I'm>... <laughs>
1: I kept thinking that exact same thing.
0: (laughs) And, you know, I have purposely avoided going on a rant about missionary work in general because that would take me so off track and we Mm -hmm. would never get back on. We will have opportunities. There's more mission episodes. We can talk about this another time. (laughs) But I just wanted to include that because I was like, damn. yeah, That's like a whole thing right there about missionary work. Waltzing into our backyard and telling us how to live.
1: There is some mustard (laughs) on that.
0: Um, yeah, so we'll have, we'll be able to talk about that in the future. (laughs) So, like I said, there's so much more we can talk about in the future, but I really wanted to focus on for this episode, how John and Esther got married and how they came into missionary work as well as focus on like a little glimpse into his personality. So I feel like we're kind of getting a feel for who he is as a person, right? A little, Mm -hmm. can't, doesn't seem to be able to. To take the not being able to hold a job kind of feels like he doesn't handle authority well. He wants to do his own thing all the time. Mm-hmm. He has an ego, like you kind of get this yeah feel for how he is. Which leads me to a funny final story. Uh, it's not just the people of Zambia and the internet apparently that can't fucking <laughs> stomach John. <laughs> it is also Esther's sister Rebecca.
1: Ooh, the problem.
0: So Rebecca is the ringlet. The one you were talking about earlier, the mm-hmm. blonde hair. She's the one that was married to Josh. Mm-hmm. But on a Facebook post where John was ranting about John Calvin, which, of course, is got Calvin, you know, which Calvin From Calvin and
1: Hobbes. Yes, exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Rebecca, Con- so he was just like, he, he I've seen it a couple of times. Like, I was scaring his Facebook for this whole thing, mm-hmm. right? And he, like, rails against this guy several times. So he's, like, hot to trot on this whole thing. <laughs> But Rebecca commented, quote, Oh, John, which is already a great beginning. (laughs)
1: Because it's so so minimizing. It's so patronizing. When when I read that
0: first, I was like, here we go.
1: Oh, man.
0: Oh, John, you're so blinded from anything but what in your mind is truth and now unfriended by me. I still love you, though, and always will. Just don't want to read all your posts every morning.
1: That... (laughs) That encompasses <laughs> s- a, some family yeah. on social media with me, where it's that same thing. Where it's like, I feel exactly that same way.
0: Which a couple things here, I think I'm a big Rebecca fan. I really do. Like <laughs> she was like the one that like when people were saying stuff to comp, putting like on Anna's post, like, will help you or you need this or whatever. Like she was liking all the mm. posts like that. Um, like, you know, she left IBL, even when she and Josh were still married, they had left IBLP together. Mm -hmm. And even after divorce, it seems like she's just even more mainstream now, but still Mm -hmm. has kept, kept in touch and pretty close contact. It seems like good relationships with their family. Like she's Mm -hmm. not even cut off from them. So I respect both her and Josh, even though they're, um, divorced, I respect how like candid they are. Mm Mm-hmm. While not being complete assholes. Right. Which is better than I can be. But also that like she somehow has been able to maintain these relationships at the Mm -hmm. same time. So it's like she draws her kind of boundary line. So I don't know. I think I might be a Rebecca Stan. So (laughs) I doubt she listens. But Rebecca Hunt. Girl. I thought just starting it off with. uh, Oh John. Already I was. (laughs) Reach out. (laughs) So I also wanted to just point out that she says still love ya, ya, not you, which other people might say I'm reading into this too much. But to me, ya is more of like a more obligatory, like a little more casual, not as sincere. Whereas if you said love you, Mm. that's like more more natural more like you know yeah. like more sincere i just feel like the love is like still love ya, but it's you but like, you say
1: that when you're throwing shade yeah. yeah
0: it's not like it's the your sister and you're like i still love you but she's just like still love you but don't want to see your fucking posts every yeah. morning so yeah the whole thing i i quite enjoyed <laughs> that little post and there's been times that Susie, like um Susanna said mm. stuff to him but uh it was more like direct about some of the stuff he said like whereas i the reason i pointed out rebecca's is because without having to read his whole thing mm-hmm. it's funny regardless like, right you know, like right. it says everything you need to know without mm-hmm. having whereas Susanna's was more like you'd have to know what he was saying because she was kind of calling him out on like religious shit I'm like right. i don't really care but um so yeah those two sisters definitely speak their mind but I was just, oh john <laughs> uh, and just to kind of keep you up to date esther just gave birth to their 13th child on october 13th there in zambia great so not even a month ago yeah so i mean there's a lot more oh my god <laughs> you don't even know
1: the things oh, about this man. family
0: like i could literally at some point when i just don't have another deep dive topic i feel like doing i could just keep do going every, i could do everything else i didn't tell you guys about john schrader
1: oh my goodness there's
0: a decent amount But he sounds like a... Anyways. So, um, my takeaway from this is Pa Keller is a real big fucking asshole. Yep. So, it's completely out. He he just... He just sells off his daughters. You know, he's selling off his daughters to these men. Mm -hmm. And what's funny is when you think about it, one of the things that John and Josh have in common is this, like, I repented message. Mm Mm-hmm. So, like, with John, it was, like, oh, he was doing these sinful, you know, he rebelled and he was being sinful. He and with was Josh, dating
1: girls.
0: And with Josh, it was just, like, you know, I'd had a hard time being blah, 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 you know, like, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's like Pa Keller loves this, like, redemption arc. Redemption story. He loves, it's like, I feel, he's got a fucking hard on mm-hmm. for... For these guys and it's like he throws his daughters at them as if he thinks that's going to make them a better husband or something like yeah. oh they went through this and they I think he thinks like the admitting it is just like oh look at that yeah so commendable yeah and then he just like lets them loose on his daughters
1: yeah well I can I can only speak when like I'll give you an example um that's more about me than about this person um we have a, a family member that's younger that was dating a guy for a while. And of course, all of the older, kind of like male members of the family were kind of like hyper analyzing this person. And like, there was just certain things where you're like, I wish, I wish you've, I don't want anything to be hard for you, but I wish you went through a little bit more because it like strife builds character. Mm hmm. But if you're a trash human being, care, going through that strife doesn't mean anything. You're still a trash, trash human yeah. being. So it's kind of that idea where, like, yes, you know, if you have more life experience, then you know how to deal with things that are difficult a little but bit But you better. can get
0: life experience without being a fucking piece of shit. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Like, those
1: two things aren't tied together where yeah. if you do A, it doesn't mean you're B. Like, you can go through that and still be a bad human being.
0: Yeah. And yeah, what has he got with this whole redemption thing? It's it's fucking weird.
1: You love everyone loves an underdog story.
0: Here, have my daughter. Here, oh, you struggled. Have my daughter. (laughs) I don't know. I I, it's just it blows my mind that I thought that it couldn't get worse and it got worse.
1: Yeah, you just keep digging. That's the thing. Is like you keep that that was his firstborn.
0: That's how he handled his first child getting married. Yeah, literally fucking sold her. So now, in hindsight, the remember how we were like it was all m- manipulation with Pa being like, "We're gonna go." Like, you know, he gets a phone. Like Josh yeah. tells Josh tells Boob he's interested. So Boob talks to Pa, and then all of a sudden Pa's like, "We're gonna go visit this family." Remember that big never...
1: vacation we had planned yeah. to Arkansas?
0: So it's like and it's still bad but suddenly that manipulation of trying to make it look organic when it was completely orchestrated mm-hmm. doesn't look quite as bad yeah. as literally shipping off your daughter to another state and having her get engaged after 3 days. Yep. Isn't that bad when the other option you're like suddenly it's not looking so terrible. God,
1: and we have a we have a friend that listens that said that like Everything about that felt like sex trafficking or like human it, it trafficking. 100% this is, is so this is, much yes. more. So
0: it's like if we thought that about the Anna Pest situation, this is exactly what that person said. If you thought that Josh was bad, Josh is bad. But it's like, I guess yeah. this, for me, this is more of a if you thought the how this relationship came to be was bad, yeah. this is the worst.
1: And shout out, I can't wait for Tiff to listen to this and be like, yo.
0: Yeah, this is bad. So, yeah, that's my takeaway. Pa Keller is garbage, yep, so maybe I don't want Rebecca listening to this because she probably still loves her dad. <laughs> you know what I mean it's-
1: but it sounds like she's it sounds like she's in a place where she can understand that, like you make really questionable decisions, and like, I don't know i I feel like there's a I have some ex kind of acquaintance friends of mine that. I can look back and be like, I really care about you as a person, but the decisions that you make make you trashy as hell. Yeah. So it's like I can kind of separate the fact that, like, at the end of the day, I really miss you as a person. And I think there's a nugget of of an amicable human being down there, but because of the decisions you make, like... Yeah, we probably shouldn't hang out.
0: But I think that's just where it's interesting. It's like she seems to still have a relationship with her family as a whole. Right. I don't know. So not everybody's like me. Like, I was like, my I think my dad is fucking garbage. Like, you know, so I cut my dad off. Right. I, am I starting to sound weird?
1: mm
0: Oh. Um, so I cut my dad off. But I was like, I have to understand that not everybody can do that. So, but mm-hmm. for me, when I see something, is just like, to me, super disgusting. Like, and you're supposed to be this, like, figure- I have even less yeah, capacity to deal with it because yeah. it's not just like your friend where you're just like, oh, you're my friend. I can deal with you being Correct. doing some questionable bullshit or not mm-hmm. agreeing with everything you do. But when it's someone that's supposed to be this like supposed to be a pillar in your life, mm-hmm. I don't have the fucking patience for that. So yeah, it's almost interesting for me. So if she does see the, these things this way, I'm almost like, wow, how do you maintain a relationship? Because just <laughs> for me, I couldn't. Yeah. But I know some people still like, I end up, but I also understand at the end of the day that there's a lot of people who still want their parents. Yeah. Whereas like for me, I was just like, meh, it's not worth it because there wasn't anything there. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. You know, it's just, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just an interesting concept of like how everybody has a different line of like, Mm -hmm. and I'm not willing to like waste my time acting like certain things aren't happening or not discussing certain things like i can't do that maybe some people can maybe that's Mm -hmm. the situation she's in we don't talk about religion we don't i don't know but it's fascinating yep but i could not do it
1: what's kind of like what's important to you because like the like i've had things like that happen and the response from some of like friends and family is like well you you got to just forget about that. It's because they're family. And I think we've had this discussion multiple times where, like, the line that I draw is that blood relation is an excuse for crappy behavior.
0: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And with some
1: people, they're very much like, well, blood they're family. Blood. Yeah. Yeah, they're family. You should. No, no, that's not. Everybody's different. But that's a line that kind of I draw is that that's not that's not OK, because we were happenstance born in the same family
0: can i change the subject for a split second sure i just thought of something that i didn't write down but in one of um in one of john's like online things where he was like responding to people he gets really like and feel free to message me like he gets very like if you want to keep talking about this you know talk you know message me blah 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 but there was one that he said something along the lines of like being thrown into this kind of like spotlightish, I don't remember that wasn't his exact words, but it's the the gist of like people are now paying attention and shitting all over him mm-hmm. because of he said something along along the lines of because Jan- of because Anna made a bad choice and married a reality TV star,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and I was like, reality TV star is fucking generous. <laughs> I wouldn't say Josh Duggar at the time that they got married was a uh, reality TV star. Yeah. The show had not even actually premiered. Yet, but I still would never call them stars. Yeah. But I just think that's funny. So, but he was like, because Anna made a poor choice. <laughs> I'm like, oh. Well, Pa Keller made some poor choices. There you go. So. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't think she had a whole lot of choice. Yep. But.
0: Your wife didn't either. Mm. Anyways, so that is the story of Esther Keller Schrader mm-hmm. for now. <laughs> fucking awful but no tears
1: <laughs> i know neither one of us nope. teared up in this one All i right. hope you guys liked the uh the costume us dressing up
0: oh yeah it was fun it'll be had... an annual thing yeah, so now you pretty... just get to wonder what are we gonna do next year it was pretty funny we got like 300 and you know 50 something days until the next Duggar costume
1: I'm dressing up as Jiballoon man
0: don't even Spoil it we should have just done it we should have done side <laughs> Characters I can be Jeffrey Knight <laughs> you, One of mm. Yes
1: I <laughs> a Side one. character
0: no you need to Be him so you can wear the leotard
1: Well and I, I mean, should be Man. which one I have a lot of leotards so we're gonna Have to choose which one we want
0: pastels Remember Yep. that's The okay you're Jeffrey Knight I'm Jiballoon man because I I'll think be it's the funny. chicken Anyways <laughs> all right well thank you guys do you have anything else to say nope all right thank you guys as always number 25 nice number
1: oh man it's wild
0: the huge follow us on instagram see that costume if you haven't already digging up the duggars pod email us at digging up the at gmail
1: buy us a pickle
0: yes um if you want to support us if you like what you're listening to and want to shoot five bucks we are on buymeacoffee.com slash digging up the dug.
1: Digging up the dug makes me laugh every time. It sounds like a, it sounds like a really sleazy morning show, on like, the rock radio station.
0: D- oh, it does. And actually, you know, if people want to know what some of that pickle money goes towards, um, it went towards those outfits. Mm-hmm. It went towards me buying more materials. Yep. M- more books. I've bought mm-hmm. all sorts of new she got
1: some doozies yeah i did i got some good
0: i call all of my stuff paraphernalia i don't want to call it like so i always say i'm like my fundy paraphernalia all over the house Mm -hmm. so that's what if you're wondering what your money goes towards that's the type of stuff that it helps out with so thank you guys and we will see you next week